Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Paul, how are you today? We got, we got what? Five days? Three days? Three days. Three days. So you can kill stuff. Small game in the state of Ohio. So I'm doing great. I mean, today's Monday, the 29th. I'm ready, dude. We got just a, a Thursday. Thursday, August 1st. Squirrel. Rattle them off. Dove. And then Saturday, the big day for me. Early goose teal which i don't put much stock in teal hunting because those things fly at like mach 7 and uh usually when i'm like oh shit that was a teal how <laughs> they're you, they're already in like florida do you have plans are you going out yes so my buddy ken uh was one of the lucky few that drew a waterfowl blind at one of the uh the great lakes here in ohio that's and for like so, the first go around first season yes well so he's got it for the entire year Oh, nice. The entire, so it's a it's a, a blind setup. I think there's, you know, 25 or 30 blinds at this lake. So doing that for for early goose, that'll be a good time. I got my dove hunt, my my uh, lottery dove hunt in Delaware uh, on Thursday. So if you're going to be there, come out and say hi. So looking forward to that, man. What do you got going on? Um, I don't have a whole lot. You're looking for something. What is it? I was looking. You're for the, distracting me. What are you looking for? I was looking for the regs book, but I can't find it. So we'll survive. Um, I hope so because I usually use one on my phone, but I'm not feeling like pulling that up. It's anyway. right. It's right there in front of you. Like that's, you, you, <laughs> that's last year's. No, oh, it's, it's right there. You're right. Oh, Andrew months. You're a mess. How's your knee feeling, man? You you got cut on last week. I mean, you just a couple days after that, you were working out and. Like man, and putting no, up a, a barricade behind your bow target, and you know, can't nobody of, hold me down. Right? Yeah, that's it, man. That's, uh, Except that busted ass knee. <laughs> my wife won't like that. Uh, my physical therapist, assistant wife, but um, no, it's good. So we did. We went through. We had the scope. They cleaned her out. I like the drugs they give you when they put you under. I need some of that for like day to day stress of children and work. Uh, if that's what if that's what weed gummies taste like, I want a whole case, man. Or if that's what it's like, bucket, right? But the uh, no, man, we'll bounce back quick. So you did, man. I'm, in, I'm happy for back you. Back in so. the saddle, both figuratively and literally, and literally. Yeah. But speaking of saddles, shout out to our guys at Tethered um, and Vance Outdoor. Hell of a hell of an event this uh, this past Saturday. Yeah, we both went out there. Kind of different times, but mm-hmm. um, very cool that teach and train. And they you, they had people from all over the place: Pittsburgh, yeah. Maslin, Athens. Like had traveled, which is what that type of event is perfect for. Yeah. Get in there, get your hands on everything, and um, I think it was really good. So shout out to Jordan and Ben and the whole crew over there. For a very good event, they did a nice job. John Eberhart was there. I didn't get to talk to him much, but the the Ginger Ninja from Tethered was there. It was it was cool. They did they 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 did a great job explaining saddle hunting. Uh, they sold a ton of stuff. I mean, there were people were excited. I got there about an hour after the event started, and there were probably there's probably a hundred people. Nuts to butts in there is what it sounds like. Nuts to butts, buddy. So thanks to Tether, tetherednation.com. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Go Wild. Check them out. I like it. I, I, we, we, got, uh, we got one of our listeners up in a saddle saddle system for the first time over the weekend. That was pretty cool. So heard, we heard about him. So If you want to hear, hear more about Tethered, go back a week in our – I think it was last week we had yeah. Adrian on. So what was it? Hanging with Adrian? Hanging with Adrian. I got to hang out with Adrian at his house over she the weekend. Yeah, it was cool. Good time. So, uh, Good time. so what else we got? We've got uh, Go Wild. Talk about him every week. Dear we friends, we didn't get to hang out with them this week. I kind of had some withdrawals. Yeah, like. you <laughs> you sent that funny text message. Like, I miss you guys. So. Good, good. So I I have been like 
looking through the trophies that people submit on Go Wild. And I'm so jealous because there are guys out there that are submitting antelope trophies. They're submitting elk trophies. I mean, it's hunting season is in full swing, I feel like, in the western half of the state. Go Wild brother, Derek, headed to Colorado. Soon. I think today, isn't he? I don't know. Hell, he might be on the road now. Derek, if you're listening, I hope you – I think it was, he's got a good tag out there, good bear hunt. So happy happy for him. So, Yep, and we love those guys down there. If you aren't um, familiar with Go Wild, it's your online platform for hunters and anglers to social media, media-ish-ish-ness. Do your social media stuff yeah. uh, and not have to worry about being censored and all that kind of stuff. By so, that Mark Zuckerberg guy. Yeah, great platform. Um, honest to God, we've met a lot of people on there, and it's been awesome. So, it has. Uh, it's I, a lot of fun, man. It's it a is. strong community. There's no bull crap. People aren't arguing. I've only seen one guy get all puffed up about stuff, and people are like, "Yo, dude, take that to Facebook." There's, so. a, there's a bad apple in every bunch, right? There sure is. But I'm I'm very grateful for for Go Wild and Brad, the team, and they do they do a great job. So, new friend of the program, Andrew Munts. I am a gorgeous, bearded, bald man. You normally don't have a beard, but I'm I like what you got going on. We partner with Beards of Legend, Andrew. Awesome beer products. I got some beer bomb oil and it's not like super girly, man. It's not girly at all. Like my favorite smell or my favorite scent that I've got is uh smoky bourbon. It smells like a freaking campfire, dude, but, but like it's in the wood. I love it. I'll take your word for it. Don't shave. Don't shave what you got going on. No. I'm going to bring you no, some no. of that beards of legend. I look beard like oil. an Amish, like I, 16 no. year old. That no, you don't glued hair from the dog. And so, yeah, no, I'm not. It looks good. You just got to get through the weird stage. I know. There's there's a weird growth stage. Do it. Don't don't here. Make this deal with me. Don't shave your beard again until you shoot a buck. Do this it. Could be thirty years, Paul. <laughs> it's gonna be just this year, man. We're gonna opening weekend. That's the that's cool. So beardsofthelegend.com. You can find them on Facebook. They got an awesome Facebook presence uh, and Instagram. I believe TikTok as well. Just search Beards of Legend. Some really cool stuff. Funny hats. My favorite shirt that they sell. It says cuddly, bearded, chubby as fuck. That's my favorite. You don't have to bleep that out. I was supposed to say AF. That's my favorite shirt in there. They got a mug that says. Her beard or her boobs, my beard. Funny. Funny guys. <laughs> Good stuff. Good deal. Beers of legend.com. And a quick shout out to our guys at First Light. Uh, did you see they opened up at their first retail store? I did. That was pretty neat. It looks sweet. They need to stop coming out with new stuff because I'm tired of like yeah, but obsessing we, over it. It's good stuff. Is it bad that I actually looked up how much a plane flight to Idaho would be no. just to go to the store? No. I did. No, it was cool. It's not cheap. So gonna, I bet not. And it's like a 30 hour day. drive out there. I know it was. Yeah. So, um, but they've got lots of good stuff. Get stocked up there before the season starts. So speaking of season starts, when this comes out, it will be 24 days for the state opener state of deer archery. Oh man. That's going to be cool. I mean, that's getting close. That's That's like getting real close as a little kid. It's like the calendar just flipped to December and you're getting closer to Christmas. But yeah. And I mean, if you want to go, if you want to go 24 days to the DSA, September 10th. It's September 10th. It's the following week. It's next weekend. I mean, we'll watch Ohio State pound Notre Dame in their stupid faces, and then the very next weekend, we will be able to deer hunt uh, in this country uh, or in the state. Do you know who will not be able to deer hunt in the state on September 10th? Because my work, my job, is sending me on another mandatory training in a different state with no hunting. Again. Sounds like a you problem. It is definitely a me, definitely a you problem. So I'm hoping I'm going to try to swing down to uh, old central Missouri and see our buddy Jeremy Grover from Fit the Hunt. Oh, yeah. Got that in the works. So that should be good, man. Good but, deal. All right. Let's see. What else? We had some good news around the state. You can, if you can read my handwriting. I will try. So let's rattle these off. We got some new stuff coming on the O2 podcast.com, by the way. We've got, uh, I, I, I've got some hats finalized finally. Some patches are, have come in looking good. It's going to be sweet. Check I'll take that. your word for it. I haven't seen them yet. Yeah, they look pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty happy. We got some awesome uh, dry dock like camo hats. Pretty sweet. Nice. All right. So shout out to the 31st Ohio Wildlife Officer Cadet Training Academy. Uh, that 
class of 11 cadets has begun their training. So where do they train at? Does that article say Is that press release? Do they, do they like train in the woods or do they train it like a police academy? I, that's a legitimate question. So if you are a wildlife officer listening to this program, please reach out to us on social media, answer that question. I mean, is it, it's got like, there has to be some woods training, right? I mean, you can't be a wildlife officer and not be comfortable in the woods. Training includes law enforcement procedures, agency policies, as well as wildlife and fisheries management, communication skills, ATV and vehicle operations, as well as advanced firearms and self-defense topics. Man, that's a tough job. Tough job. Yeah. You guys keep your head on a swivel, man. Thanks for all you do. Absolutely. And like Clay Newcomb says, if you have a problem with a wildlife officer, you're doing something wrong, right? So. Yeah. What else you got? You can't read that. Indian Lake restoration. Vegetation so, removal. What was it? 75% of the lake will be open after this week. Yeah. So ODNR, um, along with some private contractors, they've removed 61,000 cubic yards of vegetation from Indian Lake. That's insane. What kind of vegetation is that? It's those that weed. I can't. Milfoil or whatever? Just call it milfoil. Why do you ask me these questions that make me dig into Dude, the you're, you're, that you're, like, you're like the freaking <laughs> plant whisperer over here. Like, I, I can show you a plant, on, on, and you're like, oh, that's lycanium or some, whatever the hell. I've lost a lot of my. Let's see. It's, uh, so, Indian Lake, it's part of the H2. Oh, no, no. This is the next thing. H2 Ohio Initiative. Hold on. Is starting. No. You had your chance. Okay. We're moving on. If, Goodbye, if you, if you really want to know what <laughs> H2IO initiative, they got another one starting, Andrew. That's a, a pretty cool pretty cool program started by Governor DeWine. It's Wetland Habitat Restoration uh, and Creation. So this one is in Montgomery County. It was, I believe, a 57-acre wetland project. So that's pretty neat. So and duck hunters rejoice. Yeah, let's see here. It is Spring Run Conservation Area Wildlife or wetland restoration, excuse me, Montgomery County. Ironically, the person he's running against in uh, this fall's election is from Montgomery County. Oh, really? Think that what's that, what's her name? Nan Whaley. Nan Whaley. We reached out to Nan Whaley's uh, <laughs> campaign. We, we reached out to both of them. Bit. Mark, Mike, Mark DeWine, Jesus. Mike DeWine, Nan Whaley said, hey, you want to come on to this, this podcast and talk about uh, – Hunting and fishing regulation, we are all ears, man. We'd love to hear from it. Do you know how many of those campaigns uh, got back to us, Andrew? Uh, zero. So. That's right. We don't need that. Um, no, we don't need them. What else we got? I shouldn't have brought that up. The uh, So that's a pretty interesting and uh, nice event to have there. It is. It is a nice event. Oh, another thing I saw uh, on the gram today, the Ducks Unlimited chapter of uh, at, at Ohio State is looking for New members, new volunteers. So if you are a duck hunter or you're thinking about hunting ducks and you go to Ohio State, get on the Instagram, get on Facebook, wherever. I'm sure you can find them fellas all over. Check that out. They're uh, active. We met those guys at, at the the open season show. God, man, back in the spring. It seemed like a lifetime ago. But good good group of guys doing good work, and they are some duck-killing fools. So if you want to get in on that, do it. Yeah. So... Is that the end of our news? What do we got there? Oh, that's else? it, man. I didn't write anything else down. I mean, I'm sure we can come up with something. No. Gas prices are going down. That's pretty good. What else is going on? For now. I'm going to say something that just makes your head explode. I don't know what it is. You At already, some point. You already, you already started <laughs> down the Nan Whaley thing. Uh, uh, I, don't even, I don't even know what Nan Whaley looks like. So, the, All right. Next. Next. What, <laughs> what else we got? Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of other information from around the state, but... Oh, the Virginia, oh, yeah. not not even relevant to Ohio, but if you want to check it out, it's actually a pretty pretty neat thing. The Virginia elk cam, it's a live cam. It just follows like this herd of elk in this you know in this pasture. It's pretty it's pretty neat. I I I, I like watching those big bastards grazing. So one thing I wanted to talk about was I when we went up to that half pack half rack event in Wisconsin, I won those. Mag, what is it? Mag view, the thing. Yes, the, the mag view. Yeah. Things that you can stick on your um, spotting scope. Yeah, yes. or phone or your binoculars. Right, really cool. And I'm telling you what, man, super sleek, works really well. Yeah. So far, I'm a big fan of those. But anyways, I won a thing for the binoculars and a thing for the spotting scope. Yeah. So. I didn't have a spotting scope. Of course, I had to go find one. Of course, um, because. Why not go up? G-Dub. So shout out to 
Derek and Dan for helping me pick that out. But last night I went took Little Man, okay? Mm-hmm. And what is he, six? So we're in first grade. It's like, we're going to go find deer. And my wife's like, try to get him to fall asleep, right? Which you take him right around. Because <laughs> he's always a bear to put to sleep. Yeah. The uh, We drove for like 15 minutes and didn't see a single deer. <laughs> I mean, that's not new in my life. But I kind of ex- explained to him like, you know, sometimes maybe, buddy, sometimes you just don't see him. We turned a corner and it was like on. So I don't know. There's a magical switch that flipped. Like as we got closer to dusk, um, Magic it, was, hour. it was really cool because we were able to take that trip to put him to sleep and turned it into almost like an addition math, uh, lesson. Nice. It's like, all right, dude, if we saw three earlier and we just counted four more, what is the, you know, how many have we seen total? Yeah. And he'd sit there and he'd do the math seven, you know? All right. If we seen 12 and there's four more over there, how many is that? 16 you know so th- yeah it was actually like i felt like a good dad actually doing, <laughs> doing yeah. something to keeping him up late further his education here. and uh and then i also got to play with my new toy so and that was really that was pretty cool it wasn't it you sent me a video there was some some good there's a lot of deer but you had a nice buck out there too that was pretty cool yeah he was i mean i'm no basket deer. rackish maybe yeah, yeah. He, he, he was, was a look really big he was tight high and tight but like uh Probably, I guess, two in that two and a half range. But he stood right there, a couple hundred yards off, and really yeah. got to to watch him. That was neat. So I was that was neat. I was pumped about that. But so speaking of deer, man, this week we got a couple of the biggest deer people in the in biggest. the country. Literally, like I mean, just just two of the <laughs> the OGs. OGs, man. We have on this show today, Dan, Dan Johnson. Dallas Johnson. Dallas Johnson. And his buddy, original partner in crime, Mark Kenyon, wired to hunt, meat eater. Man, two studs, dude. Freaking studs. They are. They're really good. And they were good with us and patient because they were. We're idiots. But we, we are idiots. And, and we're going to hack this episode up a little bit because it was. We're still trying to get our feet under us, you know, it's, with like what the identity of this show is. And, and, you know, quite honestly, we tried to do something that wasn't necessarily what we're comfortable doing. It wasn't in our wheelhouse. Yeah, it wasn't in our wheelhouse. We were trying to be like super technical and ask these questions. And, and a lot of it was because I wanted to know, you wanted to know, just you know, kind of ask some access questions. And so it was a little clunky, but I think, you know, we can, we're, we're, we're going to put it out and I think you guys will enjoy it. The first half was just kind of the history of those two guys, how they met wired hunt, because they, they are the two, two of the, like the original guys that started podcasting in this space in this wilderness outdoor hunting space yeah. content creation. I mean, Mark, Mark Kenyon is a freaking grinder and he's, that. he's gone on. I mean, he's with meat eater now. So he's like with yeah. the biggest of the bi- biggest, yeah. just such a smart guy, man. I mean, it's the second time on the show. Super humble. Very grateful for, for his help. And, and Dan, uh, you know, obviously leading, leading this network and, and giving us our platform and, and, you know, just two really, two really good guys. And, and I, and I enjoyed it. So, yep. So, we will get this fun. to you guys. I'm not going to lie. We got some killer stuff coming down the pipe. Killer. We were just looking at our calendar coming up and who we're recording with. Yeah. And uh, I think you guys are going to like it. So, What's that one on the bottom? I can't read it. Does that say Nan Whaley? What do you think her real name is? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, man. We love you guys. Find us on Instagram, the.o2.podcast. Find us on Go Wild, o2podcast. Find Andrew Muntz on, on Go Wild? No. no. Stay away from that. I, I won't respond to that. No, you can find me, Paul Campbell, on Go Wild. Paul Campbell 322 on the uh, on the Instagram. What else? Our website? Else we the website, o- the02podcast.com. We love reviews. I know we've been saying it for literally months, but there's stuff that you could buy. There's some pretty funny shirts on there, or some good shirts on there. we got the hats coming. we got a super hunting douche shirt coming, hopefully, uh, here soon. So should be a good time. But we've got, I mean, tomorrow, man. The, you know, the, the August 30th, we are interviewing two separate interviews, just some monsters uh, in the hunting space. Man, you guys are, are, are really going to enjoy this content. So did you Google Nan Whaley for me? No, I'm done. Answer We're that done question. That. We're done with that. Someone someone tag tag Andrew Munson. <laughs> it's grandpa. I, uh, I love you, man. I'm trying to get political <laughs> on this show. We're not getting political at all. But- 
Do you know who? Okay, now you started this. Yeah, do you cats know, out of the bag. Do you know who Gretchen? Whit, what is it? Whitmer? What Whitmer up there in Michigan? Uh, I mean, she's the, the governor, governor, right? Yeah, it's, I, I don't know what she the, looks the, like. This is a miniature version. So, oh, okay. She's yeah. here's the moral of the story. Kids. Up there. Moral, moral of the story: They all suck. Go deer hunting. That is true, one hundred percent. Peace. Enjoy the show. Talk to you, gents, next week. Take and care. ladies, if there's a lady listening to you, we love you equally. Take care, everybody. See you guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Today, we've got a couple seasoned veterans in the podcast, uh, the hunting podcast world. We've got Mr. Dan Johnson and Mr. Mark Kenyon. Gentlemen, how are you today? Good, good. Good. Mark, you just got back from uh, a trip out in the woods, so you're you're good and rested. And Dan, your kids are at school, so you're good and rested, and uh, ready to talk some deer hunting. Man, I don't know, I don't know about the rested part. It was like 45 miles of hiking in four days, and very little sleep each night. So I'm kind of I need a vacation from my vacation. Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you this, and I know Mark is gonna make fun of me because I'm older than him, but. Is this a so, knee story? Is no, this a knee it's not story a knee. Already? It's an overall body story. Okay. <laughs> so yesterday, um, you know, the podcast game is not strenuous, right? You don't get, you don't have to do Ph- physically, physically hard, physically, physically hard to, uh, to make a podcast happen. But the other day or yesterday I went out, my dad, uh, inherited a farm from his parents and uh, he's turning half of it. He's doing this huge prairie project and long story short he's going to build a cabin and yesterday i had to uh, help him build a foundation and so when i say help him build a foundation i mean he sat on a tractor and i raked and shoveled rock and so today i dude i feel like i have a hangover i'm so my body's just so exhausted so see you guys caught us on a really good day (laughs) yeah I mean, yeah. Dan, I called you yesterday, and, like, you answered the phone, and all I hear for the first, like, five seconds is heavy breathing. Yeah. I was like, I was like, how is this conversation going to go? He's doing yeah. something. I'm working on the foundation. I, Can I, I call you back? Yes. I think I was even a little short with you. I was like, what do you back. want? Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> now we know. Dad yeah. putting you to work, man. Good that's, deal. That's great. Well, yeah. everybody knows who you guys are, right? Mark, you host Wired to Hunt. You've been doing it for how many years? Uh, the podcast started in the spring of 14. So I don't know, eight, nine years, something like that. And then ran wired to hunt for four years prior to that as a website and YouTube channel, all that stuff. And Dan, you've been doing the nine fingers deal for how long? I think, I think it was like one year, one year after Mark started is when I started the nine finger chronicles. Gotcha. So. For people like me who kind of got into this after the fact, I don't know, 18, 19, somewhere in there. But, like, uh, you guys have been at it for a while. But you guys started together on the same show. And I don't know, I mean, I don't need any of your secrets, but I'm just curious, how how does a guy from Iowa and a guy from Michigan get together on this podcast? And uh, and, and I went back and listened to episode one uh, not long ago. I First question I really have is, what is Dallas? Who is Dallas? Is that some kind of reference to? <laughs> oh, uh, that's that's so funny that that's a reference people don't get anymore. Oh, dude, it, it, that's a long time ago. That's a, a really long time ago. Um, yeah. uh, here's a, to answer the first question now, Mark. Was it the like Michigan or Iowa Deer Classic was one of the first times we met, or was it after that at the film school? Yeah, film school was the first time we, I mean, we might have been at the Michigan Deer Classic at the same time, but I don't think I talked to you there. Okay. It wasn't until the the White Knuckle Productions film school that yeah. I went to in Iowa is when we finally connected. Yeah. Um, and do you want to tell from here or do you want me to tell? No, go. Tell the story. All right. So, you know, to make a long story short, I've been a fan of these DVDs, the White Knuckle Productions DVDs that uh, that Dan had started appearing on uh, with his buddy Todd Pringnitz. And that is where Dan's nickname, Dallas, started showing up. At least that's where I first heard it. He was yeah. Dallas-Fort Worth. Dan, you can tell, you know, how you got that nickname. 
but I'll just I'll finish the keep, story. Keep of it clean, I Dan. Guess. This is a family yeah. family meet, uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> but but basically, we met at the film school. I enjoyed him. He's a character. Uh, we kind of stayed loosely in touch over the next couple years. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I was running Wired Hunt, right? It was just a website and stuff. And I think at one point, either I reached out to Dan or Dan reached out. And basically, Dan was like, you know, I'd like to, you know, get involved if, you ever, if ever there's an opportunity to write some articles or do something like that. Um, and so, you know, he started doing a few things like that for Wired to Hunt. And then I quit my full-time job the fall of 13. And I planned that now that I was doing this full-time, I would launch a podcast. And I got to thinking, you know, I, I, I had a lot of podcasts I'd like to listen to. And I liked a kind of like a like the, the the tag team kind of thing, like the good cap, bad cop, like two different kind of yin, yin and yang kind of thing. And Dan was a guy who, you know, was a hunting buddy from afar who I enjoyed. He had this just this unique, uh, I don't know what you call about Dan other than just fully unique and 100% himself. And I thought, <laughs> man, I bet you that would be really fun if we did a podcast together. And so I reached out and said, hey, I'm launching this podcast. I think you'd be awesome to be kind of my counterpart on there. What do you say we get together, do some shed hunting, and hang out and talk about it? And yeah. so Dan was down for that. He invited me to come down and shed hunt with him in Iowa. And we spent the weekend, you know, just BSing, having fun, looking for sheds and talking through this idea. And uh, and Dan ended up saying yes, and we, we headed off from there. So that's my yeah. version of the story. Did I miss anything, Dan, or anything else you'd add? I don't think you really missed anything other than that son of a bitch found the biggest shed of, of that whole of that whole season. He found a really he found a really good shed that day, and uh, right behind what me he, somewhere. Yeah, what he doesn't know is I planted it there, so <laughs> I could, so I could get the co-hosting uh, yeah. <laughs> like like, you, like you do for your kids. You're like, I'm just gonna throw this out here. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's yeah, funny. man, you pulled the right strings. <laughs> Yeah. How long did you guys do the show together? I mean, I think he, you were on just about every episode until like we got into like seventeen or eighteen, and your pod you launched Sportsman's Nation at that right around that time, yeah. and I joined Mediator right around that time, and the schedules just started getting really crazy, and it became harder and harder for us to line stuff up, and I'd have to get stuff off the tour, and you know things just like slowly started. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, just getting harder and harder to make happen. Yeah, I, and I, you, you were full time in it at that point. I think I was still living the cubicle lifestyle for uh, for the longest time. But yep. uh, but yeah, man, I, it was funny you, you mentioned that, Andrew. Um, going back and listening to like the first couple episodes, I've done that before, oh, and man. they're they're a little cringy. I don't know what you think, Mark, but it's like, who the hell are these guys? I haven't done it. I need I need to because it'd probably yeah. be very funny. But I imagine, yeah. like, I haven't listened to the podcast, but I have gone back and watched. Well, some of my buddies went back and watched and then started sharing some of my earliest YouTube videos. <laughs> and it is the most cringy thing I've ever seen. Like, it, it sounds like I've got a sock in my mouth. I can't talk <laughs> right. I look like I'm nine. It's incredibly embarrassing. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure that the podcast was equally, equally, uh, rough i i will yeah. say i mark you kind of sounded a lot alike like as you do oh, now i go. mean In, insult the guy right no like, it's not a bad way but i was sitting there i was sitting there listening to it and i'm like <laughs> man it's not really that much different it was just like you guys were trying to feel each other out and what kind of what are we gonna talk about and successes and failures and different whatever so yeah. the dallas what thing was the definitely what caught was my the name. first what was the first fight that you guys had it was a podcast couple <laughs> mm. i don't i just I don't laughed at my own joke was there any disagreements I don't think we really fought or anything. We we both had unique ways of looking at things. I wouldn't say Mark would would, would call me out and be like, "Dan, that's the dumbest idea no, I've ever heard." In there my is life. there is one thing I used to get mad at you about, and I call you out, and it was back at those early years when you would be like, "Well, I don't think I'm gonna start hunting till November 1st. and you're like, "I can't get out in more than like three days this season or some shit. Yeah. And I was always, you got to hunt more. You got to get out. You got to figure it out. And it was always, you know, I got kids. I got this. I got that. And I always gave you a hard time about it. Yeah. Now as a father, I get it. I get yeah. it a lot more than I got it back then. But I remember I was always razzing you about that. <laughs> yeah, that was, and, and I think what 
what's awesome as far as the history of that is concerned is we were, we're we were both in two completely different stages in our life and really what it did from a um an entertainment standpoint or um a relatable standpoint is it put two different people in two different uh places in their life mark had no kids he i think was just married if not were you single when i was just married just Just married married. so two completely uh different people where i feel like some of the stuff you're listening to everybody's on the same page and on the same path and so what it did was make mark relatable to a certain group of people and then make me relatable to another group of people and then what what I really think was the dynamic that we had. We we're two completely different people in, in how we act and how we talk and how we approach problems. And, and that connection, I feel, is like, I mean, just probably along with the, the time and energy that Mark put into building Wired to Hunt is what made it, like, fun to just be a part of the podcast with. Yeah, yeah, it was – it was just fun, and uh, and we we've gotten back together a few times this year, and we were talking. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, we recorded a last one, and we we're like, we got to figure out a way to do this more often, like once a month or something. Get back on at least during the season, so we can be sharing our stories and BSing with each other, because that, uh, that that was just. I mean, I think it was a good product, but it was just yeah. more importantly, like it was a thing I kind of came to depend on, like a little bit of a personal therapy session that I've missed. <laughs> As, yeah. as stuff's gotten busier and busier and we weren't able to do as much, I think I needed that in my life. So uh, we're going to try to make it happen. That's awesome. Absolutely. Were you guys doing a lot of hunting together at the time or were you just pretty Not a lot. We did one or two hunts. One elk hunt, yeah. Yeah, one elk Then shed hunting. We did like we did shed hunting for a few yep. years. Yep. Um, the elk hunt was legendary. I was oh, just man. I was just telling people the story of your rain gear the other day. <laughs> Let's let's hear let's hear that one. I'll tease that one, Mark. <laughs> well, I think what we can do is just sum. I, I can sum this whole experience up in some. Uh, in, it was it was uh, excitingly awkward, is what I would say about the uh, that elk hunt. So Mark's like, "Hey, did you want to go on an elk hunt with me?" I'm like, "Sure, why not?" First hunt I'd ever first elk hunt in any type of elevation I'd ever been on. Long story short, my gear was in no way, shape, or form ready for that type of hunt. And so I had, like, a frog tug. I, it was like a thick napkin, basically, <laughs> what my rain gear was. And so I borrowed a tent from a buddy, get up there, set it up, and that night it just poured on us. No, it was either night. It was probably no, it was night, night one. It was night, night one. one or, yep. Yeah. So we get up there. And it rained and rained and rained and rained. And I rolled over in the middle of the night and I had about an inch of water in my tent. Oh my God. So, like in the middle of the night, I, I basically knocked on Mark's tent and I was like, uh, can I come I just, in with you? No, I, what I remember, I remember just like water hitting my face all of a sudden. I realized the tent flaps open and it's like raining in my face and you're hovering over me like six inches away from my face. Like, I'm soaking wet, man. Can I come in your tent? <laughs> and then we had to hike all the way down into, uh, back to the trailhead, had to drive into town, dry two out. Two hours the, to town. Yeah, two hours to town, dry out the gear. And, and then I had to, I had to buy like a $750 yeah. tent. <laughs> oh my it God. Was, it was ridiculous. And then my wife, when I, when I get oh. back home, is like, did you have to buy that tent? And I'm like, I was so like, I just want to, I love my wife, but I was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't question me. Oh, that's oh, good man. stuff. I mean, and, what, what, and then the frog talking, just to add one more part of the image here. This is the thing that I brought up this weekend. Um, you wore frog togs for like the first day and then it kept raining and they soaked through. And so yeah. you'd been, you were soaked in your tent and then the next day you're soaked in your rain gear and like just desperate. And so the best idea that you or we could come up with is we had a big black, like hefty garbage bag. So we punched yeah. armholes through the black garbage <laughs> bag and you wore that over top and hunted elk in that. <laughs> yeah. And so the best part about that is merino oh. wool, right? It's supposed to breathe, but not when you're wearing a plastic bag over top of it. <laughs> oh. so, so, dude, I was 
I, I was either drenched from the rain or drenched from my own sweat and uh, why, do, why don't we talk about that? On, why don't we talk about that on the hunting gear podcast today? Inexpensive <laughs> uh, rain no. gear. Yeah, right, right. No, do not recommend. Do not recommend. <laughs> it's like cutting weight for wrestling. Just wearing exactly. trash bags. Uh, that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Oh, well, it was that. a it was a fun it was a fun experience and uh, stories for life. Yeah, Did you guys kill an elk that that trip? <laughs> 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 it was the. Whoosh, 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 through the mountains oh, dude, of that trash was, bag one. Oh, we couldn't hard. it was rough it was like yeah. i just i think the year prior i think it was the year before that day and that i had like an awesome hunt out there too yeah. so i was really excited and I'm, I'm like talking the area up and telling dan it's gonna be incredible and i don't think we heard a bugle i don't even yeah. know if we saw any elk like, i think we, we did see a few elk like very yeah. far away right they were way up there like you were all hyped about this spot because we hiked in and set up camp and then i think that first night we went down to get water and looked up to Crick, and there's right where you had all those encounters with all those elk, there's a big tent set up with the yeah. horses and everything else. So we're like, yeah. oh, shit. So we had to share the mountain. Yeah, it was, it was a rough one from that perspective. That's awesome. Good stuff. Good well, times, man. A real, little reminisce session here. Guys, we I had sent over a couple topics that maybe we could talk about. Um, and honestly, some of the stories, the stuff you're talking about right there, we could uh, dive right into one of those topics. But the one I want to start with is access. And I know this is a huge topic and Dan, you talk a lot about it. Mark, I've heard you talk about it. Paul and I, we are not experts, uh, at anything hunting related, at least, um, we need help. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a, I'm a visual person. Okay. So a lot of times when I hear you guys talking about this stuff on your shows, I'm like trying to envision my, to myself, something that would, um, you know, that I've been through that was like, okay, that matches up with, with what you're kind of describing. Now, Paul, I, I sent you over uh, a map and I'm, I'm probably going to put this up with our um, show when we release it. So anybody who wants to follow along can look at it. Um, obviously we'll take off all of our special hidden coordinates and anything to get that out of the way. But um, if you look at the thing I sent you, we've got on the the light blue it's like a little trail camera marker you see that one yep that's yep. okay paul feel free to jump I will, in. i will okay I'll, I'll paint the pictures this is public land uh here here in ohio obviously it's a, it's a it's a big oxbow on a on a river it's a river bottom and i found this spot three or four years ago uh and and don't judge me mark or dan but for me october is for fall turkey hunting so i was fall turkey hunting and it was deer 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 i mean just nonstop. huge bedding area scrapes rubs and it's just like this whole area just funnels deer there's a lot of mass producing trees there's a lot of browse it's just a really good area and it's it's mucky in this area right so it, it, it kind of deters a lot of hunters so there's not a ton of pressure uh, I mean, it looks like it's an easy walk from the nearest parking spot, but it's not. I mean, it's it's an ordeal to get back there. And, and uh, for reference, the parking spot is the regular Royal Blue X on that map. Okay. That's so it's, there's, it's, a, there's a road that goes back. Correct. Back so that's that's it. So it's an old train track, but you're at some point you're probably a most points you're about 100 to 150 feet above the river bottom. So it's a built up train track from 200 years ago so it's kind of hard to get in so like just a straight shot is really tough that that area there there's a lot of uh there's a ton of oak trees um there's a bunch of just undergrowth it's a very new new forest you get into like the river bottom side the trees are a little more mature you get a ton of cover you get some grass there's a bunch of transitions a bunch of habitat but the problem that i have when i look at that area the wind is never never good right i mean it's good now i guess um so I've, I've, I've gone out there just to turkey hunt, like I said, and I started thinking about it from a deer hunting perspective. And this is one thing that I really want to get better at is that access. I mean, I've, I've, you just, you, you dive into an area and you blow everything out. You know, what do you, what do you do at that point? So, you know, I, I've just, I look at this spot. I'm like, man, I really want to hunt it. I've got the trail camera out there. It's super active, a ton of deer, some coyotes, some turkeys. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just seeing deer on that camera, a lot of daylight movement out there there's a there's a huge bedding area on that oxbow uh in this area and that oxbow i mean it's a pretty substantial it's a couple you know three or four hundred yards long it's pretty wide a lot of good 
I mean, there's just there's a lot of potential for this for this area. I just don't know how to get into it. That's my big thing. I don't know what to do. And just to paint the picture a little bit more for anybody listening, there is an active railroad track that runs along the south side of this area that we're looking at. And I didn't look into this, but I'm guessing it's illegal to walk down railroad tracks. To it's, access it, the, the, the railroad track doesn't come into it. That's that's yeah. way far away. I hunt this area. Yeah, I mean, it's hundreds, hundreds. But of you can't there. walk on them, right? That's frowned upon or illegal. Or... So, so the thing that jumps out to me right away is there's a big old river that runs right through this section. Yep. And I don't know. I don't really see this road you're talking about. I see the blue X for the parking lot, but I'm not sure where this drive is that gets into there. So I'm not sure if there's road access in some way to get you to that river. But it sure seems like if you could somehow access that river and canoe down it or or just walk the shore or use waders to walk it, I mean, that'll get you past a lot of stuff and get you right onto that peninsula. Um, that seems like the, the obvious one that pops out to me. Paul, did you get my text last night at about midnight? No. No, that, I was drinking beer at midnight. Uh, that I said we need to get a boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there we go. And that's, that, and that's like, you know, obviously, like, you look at it, I mean, it's, it's a river bottom, like, you know, I tried to tell my wife, hey, I need to spend another $1,000 on a canoe to get into this one spot to to kill some deer. So Facebook Marketplace. I, there you go, man. I've been, I've been on it. So, like, this area, like, and, and I've I've walked through, like, kind of walked that, that riverbed, um, that river, that river edge, and there's, a, I mean, there's just some really good, really good areas, but it's just, like, these really, like, just small caliper trees and everything. So, I mean, that's kind of my, my, my thought, too, was that river bottom. And so, like, if you look at the prevailing wind on there, I don't know if, if you can see it, but it's kind of like the, the the that oxbow, the top of that is north. And so that's another thing. So is that a good spot to hunt, you know, where those deer, especially in the, in the winter, man? I don't I don't know. Like, when the rut's going on, that, that wind's just going to be ripping right through that oxbow. So I don't know. You know, like, when I look at that, that spot, I'm like, okay, is this, like, what time of year, what wind direction is, is best for this? for the stand location because man it's just so many deer out there what stand location stand location is the x um so, and, and that's the other thing so where's the so that I, I don't i don't have the picture in front of me but the what you're seeing on there i just have i put a trail camera up this year uh beginning of summer it's the light blue one dan okay do you see that I, I, yeah i see the trail camera okay yeah, I, think two, you, I think they're saying they want to hunt near that camera yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay yeah um so here, here's uh, what I found. I have a, a place here in Iowa, public land, same exact thing, just like this, um, where there's a, a river or a creek that runs. It's, a, it's actually a bigger river, but it runs right through the middle of this. And so on that, on that big bend in the river, or if you want to call it an oxbow, um, it creates this peninsula, right? So there is usually, and this is just what I've um, – what I have uh, witnessed, there's usually a trail that cuts right along the bottom of the peninsula, not up into it. That that would be where I would usually find like some sign and, and potentially some bedding. But there's usually a trail that cuts the bottom of that. On, it would be on the south side. So the tip of the river, as soon as it starts heading northeast, a trail would come off of that and head straight southeast and connect back up with the bank when that when it comes off back down off the peninsula again to the south does that make sense it does yeah okay that camera's pretty close to that trail i mean that's uh you know walking in this summer man it was just like a i mean everything was beat down and you could see you know, a lot of rain you could see it you could see that pretty well yeah so, so do works. i want to hunt off of that or i mean you get right in that area on yeah, that trail, so that corridor First off, you got to you got to uh, figure out the access thing here, right? So it looks like there's another road that leads all the way down to the that river. Yep. Okay, is it crossable in there at all? No, that river's man, it's it's ripping through there pretty good, pretty pretty deep. I mean, you're, it's and that splits like the two sides of the of the of the WMA, but you could not get across that river. Okay, so. So you have to come in from the west, then, if you yeah. don't, if you don't want to. Okay. Yep. So, uh, and is that train track out of commission, or is it an? Yes, it's out, it's track? out of it's out of commission. It's just okay. a bit. Yeah. And so, th- is it illegal 
to no you can walk down it yeah. oh you can walk yeah yeah there's no train. It's just it's just an old track, just a dirt road at this point. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold just on. just just people. But Paul, I think the one you're talking about is a is is a dirt road. But then there's one just south of it. That's active train track, isn't it? But you're not even near it, man. Yeah, it, the, that active train track's irrelevant in this scenario. So, but it is act. That one's active. Yes. Well, it, the what, what I'm looking at and what you guys have in this picture is. Uh, yeah, let me try to. Because I pulled it up on my map here, yeah. So, in in this picture, the highlighted, um, the the train track that it's showing, the one, the only train track that you can see on this map, right? There's only one train track on what Correct. I'm looking yep. at right now. Yep. Yep. Is that active or not? I mean, can I can I walk on it? Um, you know, we're probably not. I mean, you see the road. I mean, like the the train track that you're seeing, the only active train track. 15 1600 yards away from i mean it's 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 a it's pretty pretty far away from from what from the from the trail cam picture yeah i wish i had this damn picture in front of me but i don't so okay and it shows a railroad track like right beneath your trail cam area so i think that's we must be seeing something different than what you're thinking of so yeah there's no there's no there's no oh yeah there's no uh yeah, it's uh, I mean that's it's it's a lot farther away than what it than what it looks like. I think I think on X is actually probably incorrect on this, but yeah, that's not that's an actual yeah that's that's not even that doesn't come into play. No one's gonna be walking. I'm not gonna be walking down that railroad track. So okay. it's it's there's a like it, a lot of that's like like it's man made. You know, so there's, there's some Corps of Engineer work. So you know, there's like it's almost like a dike is in between the active railroad and then where that trail camera picture yeah because i'm showing yeah. i'm showing your trail camera uh logo from that railroad track is only 450 yards yeah it's it's but there's so much like and, and it's hard to i'm looking at the map right now like it's really hard to distinguish like there's a lot of terrain features uh i mean in between like that camera and the and the active railroad track is like wood duck city because it's like flooded timber and it's just not yeah it's it's not it's really not in <clears throat> All right. Anyway, yeah, I say so, we're we're veering off. Let's move on, man. Well, no, I mean that that's the whole point, though, right? Yeah. Uh, like you you don't know what's in there until you put the boots on the ground. Yeah. For me, I look at this and I say, north north wind, uh, or the same access on a straight south wind. So you from the from where that blue dot is, right? The the blue X. That's a, a parking spot, right? Correct. Yep. I would walk straight or like straight west or south follow the terrain and then j hook or uh left turn straight north into some kind of area right there right um now given the fact that i don't know anything about the the water there um i would i would do that i would do that on a straight north northwest or northeast wind and i'd hunt on the south side of that trail yeah that's the that to that to me is the best uh, the the most safe way to hunt that stand. If you don't have a boat. If you don't have a boat, yes. Why not come in from that parking lot on like a northwest wind, which is the prevailing wind, and drop to the very southern border that's close to this fake railroad track and just walk that entire south edge, blowing your wind under the private land, yes, but yeah. then hook all the way to the river, and then even if you don't have a watercraft of any kind, walk the river bottom north all the while blowing your wind across to the other side of the river preserving everything on that oxbow and then hunt up there either by where you're talking dan or you know whatever if the bedding's up there and there's some action up there whatever it is i would hug the east side of that peninsula and blow my wind over the river then you're bulletproof you said it's a really big river so nothing's crossing it so anything on the other side you can't hunt anyways um I'd be I'd be using the river for my access and my wind safe zone. That's a good idea. I like that. I'm gonna replay this <laughs> the first day that I walk into that scene. I'm gonna listen to. <laughs> I'm gonna be and, it's gonna be uh, four in the morning. I'm be like, all right, Mark, tell me what to do again. All right, I got I got to fast forward through this uh, conversation about whether or not it's an actual railroad. Track. <laughs> the railroad track doesn't come into play. And, and but I mean, to to your point, like if if you're just e scouting this and everything that I just like, if I took you out there. In five minutes, you're like, oh, oh, that makes total sense. That active railroad, it doesn't come into play 
to play at all. And I mean, it's just, it's, that's, I mean, so that's a good point. I mean, like you can only e-scout so much, right? And then you know, if you went in blind, it would, <laughs> I mean, it would be totally different if, if, if you'd never, if you'd never been there. So yeah, that, that railroad, like it's so, it doesn't even, I mean, you could see it, I guess. I and mean, you can definitely hear it. It wrecks my turkey hunting all the time because it runs through at 7 a.m. religiously every day. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's is interesting, it, man. Is it an easy walk? I mean, it's as it... flat, it's, it's as flat as can be. I mean, it's, it's definitely a floodplain. It floods out, you know, late winter every year. It makes mosquitoes. That's um, what it does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so, or, you know, early, well, late season, you know, it, uh, it's definitely a little, a little, a little floody, but, uh, yeah, it's good. It's just such a good area. I mean, there's so much, there's so much, uh, you know, cover for those deer and everything. I mean, it's just, it's just a really good area. And like I said, it's kind of, it's, it's super flat, but it's real muddy, you know? In some, Here's in some another spots, thing yeah. to think about with your access. Um, this is just big timber yeah. and bedding, but if you're going in in the morning, now I don't know exactly what's in these like open fields because uh, there's some fields on the west side of this property that maybe yeah. have food in them or maybe are just pasture. I don't know. But if this uh, is... Corn and beans, and they rotate it, and there's some, some CRP in there. Okay. Well, if if this parking access point that you have to go to for some reason – um, isn't next to like an open bean field or something, I wouldn't be afraid to just go in there and just walk straight through it, you know, as long as you're not leaving your scent in a certain place. But like, this isn't where deer are going to be at four in the morning if you're going in there for a morning hunt during the rut. I wouldn't go trucking across that in the afternoon, but if I'm going in there for a rut hunt and if I'm going to stay all day, you know, you know, I wouldn't be afraid about walking through the timber. Now, maybe J-hook so you avoid leaving your scent on the ground in the best stuff. But, you know, coming in the morning and leaving after dark, these deer probably will be mostly out on some of these other ag fields surrounding it by that time or at that time. So that's another thing to consider is the time of day you're accessing this. Um, I look at this and think, man, great way to get in there and hunt a bedding area late October, early November, that kind of thing. Um, that's where my head's at first. And in that case, I'm not as worried. Yeah, it's got, it's got, yeah, it's got a ton of potential, but there's, there's a lot of just variables to it. And I guess like, and that's the nuances that, that keep us all coming back. Right. I mean, if it was just an easy walk, um, one, one of the things, and Andrew, if you don't mind, if I touch on this and I, I, I can't remember if this is on, but so hill country in this, in this spot that we just talked about, super flat floodplain river bottom, different type of hunting, you get down to Southeastern Ohio. I mean, it gets, it gets pretty gnarly down there. So so thermals just touch on those real quick mark and dan if you would um time out oh time out i'm looking at this map still okay <laughs> yeah he found a look, back door there is look look at the look at the piece across the, the railroad track straight, yeah oh yeah straight south yeah. that's a road that goes up there and it's probably the same distance if you can cross the railroad track there's access there you can take that road and get up there, and you can walk straight north to get to a stand location in there. Or do what Mark said and walk straight to the river, hug the curb in there, some uh, that east side of the, that peninsula somehow. So you can you can locate this from two, like if you had a boat from three, but from just walking, there's a potential to just go to that little really weird-looking piece north of all that private and walk straight across there right into it i i know what i know what you're talking about and that's um it's it's almost straight down from that roadbed i mean it's pretty it's a pretty big pretty big drop and it um that's like a really really severe floodplain like just i mean it's just flooded timber through there mm -hmm. so you just gave me two excuses yeah so i i mean i'm gonna bring my 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 duck waiters but that's there a good you point. Go. <laughs> These no, are the I, reasons I, why uh, most guys won't go in there. And, and that's and that's exactly right. I mean, every time I turkey hunt this, I'm like, man, I got to deer hunt this. I mean, this is like an untapped resource because yeah. it's a bitch to get back there. So, so, so you're saying be, like just go, don't go be farther. Most guys. Yeah. So you're saying go farther down and then just cut in straight up on that east side of that little. Well, you don't even like if you parked at the Blue X, you wouldn't even need to uh, walk along there. You would go down to the other piece, park. It's an easy walk going in because it looks to me like you're going straight down and then and then walk right up into there somehow. I, I just I, I look at something like this and I know there's floodplains, 
uh, like it's flooded and it's mushy, but there's always going to be like, there's sounds to me like there's, I'm looking at a picture where there's got to be some kind of high ground in there. And when they're standing water, they're going to, they're going to find not all the time, but they're going to find the dry places to hang out and, and walk through. So I just, I see that, that Southern little access on that little Southern part of the, uh, public. And if you are allowed to just cut straight across there, man, that that's what I would do. Paul, looks like we got some, we gotta go looking at this and see what. Uh, yeah, you stay off my section, man. Get in there. Coach, man. No, no, I'll just I'll just run decoys. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, this is this is this is good information. I mean, this is one of those, I guess, like when you're fine tuning, you deer hunting, and you and you want to be better with access. I mean, because. I've just stomped right in there before and I've blown deer out and I don't see him the rest of the day, but it's, um, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's piqued my interest the last couple of years and I really wanted to kind of figure it out, but yeah. well, there's only one way to do it. So do it, right? that's only, it. Just only other it. question I have on that spot specifically, like if you ended up with an East, let's just say a Northeast wind, right? So that would be blowing right into that parking spot. That's ideal then, right? You don't even really have to mess around with J-hooking and different things because you're going to be walking right into the wind. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Mark? What's your pull on this? Well, if you if you get a northeast wind there, then the question is just like, how are you trying to hunt it? Uh, you'd have to hunt the, you know, if you think your best play is to hunt the southern edge of that peninsula, like Dan's saying you should do, you would hunt, you know, south of the river bend and blow your wind back where you came from. But just how confident are you of where those deer are going to funnel through and that they'll stay north of you? I would prefer hunting here with something that's going to use that river as my safe zone. So, like, that would be the biggest thing I'd be thinking about probably is, like, how can I think about where the deer move and how I can use the river to my advantage? That That's the first thing I look at because you don't always get that really great wind zone in a lot of places but here you have it and it the way it winds and bends you have options so i would be really trying to think about how to use that because man if you can get into a spot like that where you're that bulletproof because of the water you can hunt it a lot more than otherwise because you just know i'm not going to get winded by deer i can hunt um so i don't like a northeast wind in this setting because there's no way you could use the, the the river to your advantage with that um you know, straight west, there's places you could hunt. North, straight north would be hard in that regard. But like in northwest, you could make it work. Southwest, you could make it work. Um, those are, you know, due east, I guess you could get up on that west, that northwest edge of the flood ground and make that work. Um, but that's that's the first thing I'm thinking about without knowing anything on the ground. I mean, knowing nothing else. I really like using that river. Yeah, fair enough. Bingo. My mind just got yeah. blown. I. Uh, mine too man that's why these guys are here we're talking to them so months what else you got man what on on our list of well and i some of that kind of goes in so this is my pea brain i've tried to like set myself up with some different stands that i think the wind would be good and and certain things uh kind of giving me a plan b i'm I'm gonna mesh these last two topics kind of together opening day in ohio is september 24th for most of the state at least for archery and I'm trying, Paul and I've been deciding how, how are we going to decide where we're going to go? You know, and it's, is it the cameras are lighting up the most recently there, or it's easy access just to get in for the first day, or, uh, is the wind have to be right? How do you guys go about choosing, you know, the best spot for opening day? This is like stupid deer one oh one. I feel like I'm asking the most basic question, but to catch that opening day, potential success whatever and then if you pick that site and then the night before the wind switches or you know something crazy happens that you know you got to go to plan b man i just asked a lot of questions in there um it's but, the knee surgery yeah it's, a, it's those it's drugs are really getting in my head mark, so you're here let me help you mark correct me if i'm wrong but you like uh, on your michigan farm you like to hunt uh, like right away, right off the bat, then you give it some time, right? Yeah, I love I love opening day. Chief, fill, fill us in. Yeah. Yeah. So no matter where I'm hunting, 
whether it's my like local stuff or even in other states, opening day, I always take a big swing. Always look at those first couple days as a time worth taking high risk for a high reward type hunt because you have a setting, you have a situation that won't repeat itself for 10 months or eight months or whatever, which is a deer population that is as unpressured as it will get for the rest of the season. Um, these deer are as dumb as they're going to get for the rest of the hunting season, right? They haven't been bothered. And so, you know, this is like how dumb that deer is, how unpressured that deer is, is of course going to be different depending on the scenario and circumstances around it. But still, it's only going to get worse every day after opening day. So I always try to strike in a place where I think I have the best possible chances because I know I can do something high risk, high reward on the first day or second day, and hopefully it works out. But if it doesn't, I still have time to let it rest and then get an opportunity later in the season, even if I blow it. So I've had many times where I've gone in hard, hot and heavy on opening day, and it didn't work. But then I still had a chance at those same deer a couple weeks later, three, four weeks later. It's not the end of the world. So I am thinking, you know, two things. It's going to depend on a lot. If you have some kind of, like, recent information, like eyes on a deer, I really like to scout from afar. If you have any kind of spot you can glass fields or anything like that, I love that kind of intel. Or trail cameras. That's super helpful just in getting an idea of are these deer moving in daylight in a certain place. Um, if you don't have that, the next thing I'm looking for is a high-quality food source close to a bedding area. So if I had a million different places that I'd scouted, I would think they're, okay, what's the best, most likely high-quality food source that these deer are hitting? And hopefully you would know from previous years or from scouting that summer where there's a great white oak tree dropping acorns or where there's an isolated apple tree dropping apples or where there's a soybean field that still has a little bit of green in a corner, uh, or where there's a clear cut in the big timber that still has a lot of lush growth. Whatever that is, I would find your best food source that's close-ish to a bedding area, and then if you have that recent intel that overlaps with any of that, even better, um, and I'd take a swing at that kind of spot, because that's like your textbook early season thing, right? These deer are on a bedding to feeding pattern, they're trying to, you know, at this point in the year, they're just packing on the protein, they're hitting the food a lot, and they're not reacting to hunting pressure yet. So they're still either on those food sources in daylight or on their way to those food sources, and you can take advantage of that for a few days before they'll catch on to you or the other hunters in your area. Um, so that's the kind of thing I'm going to target. I would take your best shot. If the wind's wrong, uh, then no. I wouldn't do it, but if there's any way I could weasel away into it, if I could get creative, if I had to go in and set a new stand that day or go up in my saddle or hunt from the ground, I would do whatever it takes to make it work if possible, just because at least in my experience, that pattern will be gone after the first two days, maybe if there's hunting pressure in the area. So you've got that first night, maybe the second night, and then very quickly they will adjust. So I always shoot for the moon early, and then if it doesn't work out, then I kind of step back, uh, reassess the situation, and then figure out where to go from there. If I'm hunting, like if it's just a traveling trip, well, then I got to make adjustments the very next day and keep doing it. If I'm hunting something local and I have all season, well, then I might just pull out for two weeks entirely and wait and watch until late October, something like that, it gives me another opportunity. Um, but those are the you know the high-level things I'm thinking about for that first that first hunt. Are you hunting in the morning on that first day? Unless it's like a unless it's like a traveling hunt where I'm there for a short period of time and I have to, no. Like on my local stuff where I have time, I only hunt evenings in those early season situations. Not that you can't pull it off in the morning, you certainly can. Um, but at least in the places that I have access to, it's harder. Mark, that's and like so, that's like Christmas morning when you're a little kid and your parents make you wait till the evening to open the presents. It's like you just you know, you're ready to go and no discipline. Wait, but it's but it's like if Christmas morning where there'd be three gifts, and if you open the wrong one, you get punched in the face. <laughs> if you wait, if you wait for the evening, there'll be ten gifts and a bottle of wine. Like I'm waiting for the evening. Uh, Drink wine when you were a kid. Yeah, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no bourbon. That's, That's a Michigan thing. Dan, so, how about has the early season been pretty successful for you in those those local stops? 
I've killed a couple and had a lot of close calls. Like almost every year, I'm at least getting eyes and having a, a like a shot or or close ish type of encounter. Like not every year, but I mean, if I were to look at the last decade, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe fifty percent, you know, at least close call percentage over the last decade. Maybe a little, maybe a little more than that. Um. I'm in the ball game, which is like that's a very high percentage for most sits, um, and so I, I like I really like that time of year. Dance, are you still not hunting until November first, or have you changed your ways since March? I mean, been busting your balls for a decade. <laughs> no, I mean it's not it's not that I won't. Mine mine strictly just comes from intel, right? It, uh, and and I go check my trail cameras, and I say to myself, is there anything walking around my timber? in the areas that I have access to hunt, do I have anything really pegged, right? If it's, if I don't have anything pegged and there's nothing really, I mean, I could go in there, I could give it a shot, but I feel like I would be doing more harm than good unless I had a pattern, patternable deer. And so what happens is the, the reason that I'm out of state in September and uh, early October now is because there's, the farms that I hunt, like the deer just don't walk around in daylight until that October 28th period. Now, there are some weather occurrences that happen that may get them moving around a little bit, like a big rainstorm or something like that. But nothing, like I, I like to use data um, and statistics over a long period of time to say, okay, yeah, I could go do this, but that's just a one-off. It's a one-off thing if I was to find success. It's not that I've, I've done anything really calculated to get to that decision. It's just, man, the farm that I hunt is better in late, starts getting better in late October. And um, the deer, when they do move, they're not moving, they're not moving within 45 minutes of daylight. I mean, for, for several years, I could tell you October 27th, 28th, and 29th is something like, is a big switch on the farms that I hunt and that's when the big dogs start showing up and that's when they start moving around closer to that daylight time frame. So you like take Christmas and you're, you're like delaying it for the family for two weeks later. You got to get that. No, open I'm weekend. not delaying it. I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating Christmas with a different family, <laughs> in a different state. Nice. I've heard you talk about, yeah, you know, I think it was you about not burning, you know, so many weekends, you know, if there's, if you, if you, if you don't have the Intel, like you said, yeah. Don't stress your family and your kids out. Burn all those get out of jail free cards. Like yeah, I mean, you only got so many brownie points. And if yeah. I mean, that was back, you know, a lot of that stuff and how I've made my decisions was back when I was still sitting in a cubicle. So I, I had to play it calm and safe if I wanted to go do two straight weeks of the rut, you know. So if I was gone every weekend, it just turns into, oh, you're going to be gone again. And so now – um, I mean, it's way different now because, uh, I can play the, I'm doing this for work, uh, card. Right. I so, plan on doing, doing that this, this for year. You, honey. Right. Yeah. I tried that during Turkey season. It didn't really work that well. We're still pretty new into the podcast. So I'm going to try it for deer season and duck season. We'll see if it. Beautiful. Hey guys. Um, I have to drop. I got a kid issue. I got to go take care of. I apologize. So, uh, I will holler at all three of you later sorry about this guys yep. no see you man Good everything's all right yep mark mark i just want to say thanks for your time appreciate yeah. it and yeah, no, it good, uh man. look forward to having you again someday uh and good luck this season thanks guys i, I appreciate yeah. it i hope this uh little public land oxbow thing works out for you it was it was a, yeah it, it's it man it's such a cool spot it really is it uh i guess it was kind of clunky kind of communicating like what it looks like and how the land is and, and it's uh I'm going to kill something out of there. I'll tag you on Instagram. All right. Go get it done. Good luck, guys. Thanks. Thank you.